Pod. Pod. We'll open this pod with the biggest news of the day. Welcome to Free Agency 2019 and the stunner. Not Kemba Walker to the Celtics today. Al Horford to the 76ers. Official three years in Boston done for Al Horford. Now you might be listening to this and things flowed so quickly today that you would say, all right, Kemba to the Celtics. I heard that yesterday. Horford, I thought I heard like three, four days ago. It was done. He was out of here. Well, things changed this morning. You wake up, a couple reports stated that as Kemba officially sealed the deal with the Celtics before even Sunday began, which sent some people off the edge. Horford might have been looking back at the Celtics. Now, that did not turn out to be true. The Celtics engaged the Nets, the Hornets, on a sign-and-trade that ultimately just became a sign-and-trade between the Hornets and Celtics for Terry Roger. We'll still see what the Celtics are going to get out of that as far as exception goes. You say, all right, the Celtics might be sending Irving out to the Nets in that same deal. All of a sudden, you keep Kemba through the trade, and you suddenly keep the rights to Horford. Now, it appears, via Steve Bolpet, that that interest was never on Horford's side. He stuck it out that he was not going to be heading back to the Celtics. And as the destinations wane throughout the day, and as you'll see throughout our show today, New Orleans, right off the list. Other destinations, Dallas, started to spend their money. So you cross these teams off the list, and Ben Roback, later in our show, reached out to Horford's camp, apparently, and still got nothing definitively. But behind the scenes that whole time, they were just waiting for the shoe to drop in Philadelphia, and that was Jimmy Butler, who shipped off to Miami via sign-and-trade. Tobias Harris held out. He signed $180 million, but the 76ers did something very shrewd today. They held on to Harris's cap hold instead of putting him on the books right away. That cleared up about almost over $10 million in cap space. The 76ers bring Horford in at $109 million. Now that just hurt to read. I'm not going to lie. As one of the biggest Horford fans, as an enthusiast of what this guy did for the Celtics the last few years, and as you watch the Celtics still have nothing at the time of recording, at the center position, the tease that he could return and round out that roster with Kemba was too big to not buy into and get disappointed by brutally later when you find out that Embiid's going to be coming back. The Celtics aren't going to have anything to withhold his overwhelming impact. And not only is the guy who used to withhold that gone, He's going to be on the other side, helping Horford knock heads around, helping Embiid knock heads around when he comes back to Boston. That is devastating. Beyond the fact that adding Josh Richardson, that 76ers team looks like they're going to be the finals favorites, depending on what Kawhi does. Kawhi says he's not taking meetings today. It looked like free agency was going to freeze, so I went over to the beach, tried to channel some of that good energy. That Wick Grosbeck did when the Kevin Garnett deal went down. Pray for that miracle. It didn't happen. It went the other way. That beach luck had been used up in 2008, and here we are. Now, Ryan Bernadoni, who makes a lot of good points, made a great point that the Celtics 
committing $110 million over four years to Horford while giving up a pick to Brooklyn to make it worth their while. That was the big equation we were trying to figure out this morning. Why would the Nets help the Celtics out in this possible reunification with Horford? Never was the case. And from the start, a report said that Brooklyn's unwillingness to do this just out of the kindness of their heart was what blew up that three-team trade that could have brought Horford back to the Celtics. Would that have been a sound move for the Celtics? It would have been great next season, but 2021, 2022, then around to 2023, and losing a Memphis pick possibly? Probably would have been a Celtics pick, but I'm sure the Nets would have asked about the Memphis pick. Wouldn't have been great. I'm just trying to make myself feel better about this because I know the 76ers are going to come in and knock the Celtics' heads in with that big man duo. But that's probably some silver lining that you can take away from today if you're on the Celtics' end of things is that the Celtics possibly avoided a bore long-term commitment. Now, shifting to the center side of things, still no clarification there on where the Celtics are going. Bucks are closing in on Robin Lopez. Derek Favors went down to New Orleans. We'll see what happens at that center position, but ultimately, as I look at this picture now, where the Celtics are at the end of free agency on June 30th, because everybody signed today, it feels like, besides Kawhi, it's on the youth more than ever. Whatever ends up happening at a center, they're going to need Robert Williams to play. They're not going to be able to hide Gershon Yabusele anymore. And most importantly of all, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, with another ball-dominant point guard coming in, they have to stake their claim, improve definitively over what they were the last two seasons, and this is their team now. The Celtics get a significant boost by Kemba coming in and maintaining the scoring that Irving left. But now Tatum, Brown, they have to do their part too. The only way this team's going to get any better than it was last year with Horford going out the door to a competitor is by them taking a massive leap. And that's going to be a lot. Forget the center position. They're going to be making up for the center position and some of the deficiencies that Williams and the others might be bringing to the table there. They're also going to have to uplift the losses they suffered from Horford walking out the door, the defensive lapses that are going to cost because of that. Especially if Enos Cantor is coming in as the center option. Tatum, Brown have a high learning curve ahead. In fact, this could be almost a rerun of their rookie seasons where they had Horford and veterans helping them out before. Now it's all on them and the expectations are going to be carried with it. Indiana got better today. Orlando stayed competitive. And the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving. There's going to be a lot of incentive to go after that team. But Irving will be coming at them firing. Even Charlotte, Roger will have some big motivation coming back at Boston. Not like they're going to be competing for the playoffs. East did well. The East did well on day one of free agency and the Celtics. Came out of it with some silver lining. But ultimately, the hype and tease that was Al Horford on day one of free agency leaves them in more pain than they ever could have been before and those Philadelphia jokes are gonna come back to haunt them big time this year stay tuned Alex Kungu joined me today as we talked through free agency live in action this is the on-demand version of that we talked to Justin Poulin some of this stuff will be outdated but you can see how we were reacting in real time and the confusion of that Horford case how did this go so bad we'll continue to ask that for the time to come 
I'm Bobby Manning, and this is Havlicek Stole the Pod. Six o'clock is here, and it is NBA free agency time. The deals are pouring in. We've been hearing about them since 5 o'clock. Let's start it off at that 5 o'clock hour, Kangu. Woj just blew up the Twitter stream. And the big news of the day, the Nets have their super team. Four years for Kyrie Irving, fourth year option. Kevin Durant is expected to announce that he's going to be going to the Brooklyn Nets tonight. And DeAndre Jordan will be soon to follow on some sort of deal. We haven't gotten the details on that one yet. But instant reaction to Kyrie, Durant, Jordan. Is that the team of the future in the East, Alex? Well, I mean, we'll find out. They're definitely set up to be. Um, It'll be a little bit interesting this year because obviously with the Achilles injury with Durant... Um, he won't be playing this year, so it'll be a lot of, um, you know, Kyrie and those kids trying to trying to get together. So in terms of this year, they're obviously not going to probably be the favorites, though they'll be competitive. Um, but yeah, they're definitely set up. A lot of it will come down to how Durant um, recovers, but they definitely look like a team that's going to set up to be one of the top. I do, I do think it's funny though how they included DeAndre Jordan in that uh, super team. <laughs> In the super team discussion, like the, well, the, that, the final piece. That, that's one Jordan. part of it. The second part of it is that you'd assume he's going to have a fourth-year option. Year one's out of the window unless he just has a miraculous recovery. And that's what everybody seems to be assuming with Durant is that he's just different from everybody else. One of the best players of all time. His Achilles is just going to come along better than anyone else's, which he definitely doesn't have a whole lot of weight on him. But for a seven-footer... For a guy who is making as many pivots, as much dribbling, as much action moves as he is, it's going to be an, an interesting adjustment, especially if they get to May, June next year. It goes to that one-year point, and they start you know, saying, all right, is he going to come back? Is he not? Maybe he starts to push back a little harder than he should. Like They're going to have an interesting dynamic year one with Kyrie leading the team, Durant being out of the picture, and then... Once it comes to that one-year mark, is he going to come back? Is he not for a playoff run for them? Yeah, and I mean, I mean, hopefully after how Durant ended up having this injury to begin with, I am hoping that maybe there isn't that rushing process and everything, and they just really just treat this year like acclimate yourself to the city, um, learn your teammates, your training staff, like get used to everything, like be cool, and he'll have his friends there. Um, to his closer friends and Kyrie and DeAndre, um, they're sitting with him. So the hope is that, you know, he just takes his time and comes back as healthy as possible. But that first year is definitely going to be interesting. And I think it's a window for a team like the Celtics, for example, if they can, you know, build, build a competitive team. This might be their window this year to um, try to get by them. Quick, quick. Celtics breather here. That was the news of the day. Obviously, the Nets have formed their super team for 2021. Next year, Irving's going to be the front piece of that team. And suddenly, you have a very hateable team out there in Brooklyn. Dare I say the most hated team in Celtics history. I tweeted that out earlier, Kangu. Some people weren't feeling it. But between Durant, they almost got Durant a couple years ago. He does the Golden State thing. Now they team up for a super team in Brooklyn, spearheaded by Kyrie walking out the door. I think that's not as big of a leap as people think. Yeah, and I mean, obviously right now, the Celtics are trying to build a competitive team. Yeah, they're, they're going head-to-head, the head, the division. The fans, yeah, the fans obviously feel, you know, a little upset about how it went 
with Kyrie and stuff like that. So I can understand why people are like, oh, we don't want to hear it. But to your point, yeah, like this is kind of, if you think about it, this is what a guy like Danny Ainge was trying to build, what the Nets have right now. Like two big stars, you join them up together kind of in their primes. It's not perfect because of the Achilles injury, but this, but this was kind of the plan. So it's it's great for the Nets that um, besides that, oh, wow. Terrence Ross got paid $54 million. That's crazy. <laughs> we'll but, get um, these deals as they come in. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but, but, but for besides that, yeah, like this is kind of what the Celtics wanted, and it's made up of guys that near misses. So good observation, Bobby. I, I definitely I definitely think you're right on that one. It's, it's going to be angrier, more tense than people think. Even if you look back at it, most hated Boston athletes of all time, he's going to catapult to the top of that list right up there with Roger Clemens and the like. It's tough to compare a situation where there's just going to be so much hatred for him in all of those meetings between the Nets and Celtics going into next year. Now, it seems like it's going to be a sign and trade because the next deal we're going to dive into, Terry Roger, $58 million to the Charlotte Hornets as part of a sign-and-trade. Now, we don't have the details on the sign-and-trade yet, but it was all part of the workings that we were just trying to wrap our head around this morning because we heard murmurs. I heard murmurs from about three different sources this morning, Kangu, that Al Horford was starting to take a look back at Boston. Now, was that from the Celtics side of things? Because as the Celtics are trying to formulate things together now, a ton of momentum grew toward that 5.30 hour, Suddenly, Steve Bopet drops the bomb. He's not looking back at the Celtics. So it looks like a sign-and-trade signed up for Roger that would seemingly clear the way for Horford to return to Boston. But on the other side, it doesn't look like Horford's actually looking back. It's just a very complicated situation right there, especially when you get into the nitty-gritty of what they're going to have to do to complete this sign-and-trade. Yeah, and I mean, it was obviously kind of we saw um, Ryan Bernadoni kind of talk about it. So we started seeing, um, you know, that deal come come out. And we started to say, okay, like maybe this is the path. But when you, re- when you really think about it, when the Celtics had a chance to sign Al Horford, you know, because it's not like they planned to have Kemba Walker. Their initial plan was to at least bring back Al Horford. When they had that in the bread rights and him in the room working with them, they still couldn't come to a number. So, so when you think about that, even if now they got this, they got they had this plan together, um, would they have now just suddenly like changed their numbers, changed their years? Because when you start hearing like he's just completely dead set on not coming back, that must mean that like there's a legit. I was I, like they had a hard line walk away, and like Al Horford's expecting to get way more than what the what the walkaway is so you know like a lot can happen obviously but it is fair to wonder if um it was ever really real well there's there's other suitors out there certainly that we've heard about but the mavericks today they hand 33 million to dwight powell that takes up a little bit of their cap space then they max out Kristaps porzingis as they were expected to so the order operations here for them, I'm not sure. That doesn't seem to be much momentum on the Dallas front now. Sacramento was mentioned as a team that would spill the bank on him, but they brought back Barnes on $88 million and then add uh, Dwayne Dedman to that as their center. So you would think Sacramento um, the fold too. And then add Trevor Ariza, who just got signed for two years, $25 million. Ariza to Sacramento Kings. as well? Yep. So Kings, you can probably cross them off the list. Philadelphia. That's probably where you look next. 
Yeah, Jimmy Philadelphia down in Miami. Yep. He, he's he's going to be meeting with them. It looks like momentum is shifting toward that end of things. And they're going to have to make a tough decision on Tobias Harris. If they build their core going forward, Horford, Embiid, Harris, it certainly works out. But that's an interesting core in itself. Is that is that NBA Finals worthy? I'm not so sure. And that's a lot of size that you're committing. You're, you're really, you would really be committing a lot to Al Horford. And it's unclear if him and, Hor- and Horford and Embiid um, can play together in a front court like that as the as the contract goes. You know how Horford's starting to lose a step a little bit. So if you kind of play him with Embiid, you're really putting the focus on him to be able to stay on the perimeter. And you're not closing the him at the five because you're closing games with Embiid. So that would be like, oh, it'd be an interesting but like tough fit if you're, because yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that. I, it, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's their first option, though. I do think they would. You know, like if, if they lost Butler, Tobias, and it got to that point where they needed to swing on someone, they would. But I don't think that's like the most ideal fit for them. Isn't it awkward that they can't go without having an awkward lineup? It feels like they move Fultz out of there. It still feels weird that dynamic between Butler and Simmons, who's playing point guard there. They had that slightest bit of spacing. They they added between Harris. They had J.J. Redick. And now Redick goes down to New Orleans. So they lost their best spacer. The other two are kind of in a flux now in free agency. And Horford can spread the floor, but he's not going to be your main shooter on the floor. So they are just in an awkward position as ever, even as they've made all these changes. And uh, it looks like Kemba Walker is going to be official soon. It's just, is is that going to be a sign-and-trade or not? That's the big question we're asking as we get past 6 o'clock here. Yeah, and I guess, I guess now, um, under under the like with the understanding that Al Horford coming back may not be as big of a possibility as we expected, um, even if you still kind of want to make these deals sign-and-trades because it would be nice to have the full mid-level exception, Um being being able to retain maybe bird rights on a guy like Marcus Morris too, you know. Um, I know you talked about him in our last pod yesterday. I wasn't as thrilled, but you know that is it's still an asset. It's still a potential if he doesn't get overpaid somewhere, where you can bring in a, a vet guy like that to just kind of you know have some proven people on your roster. So it still looks smart move to do for the Celtics, even if the end goal doesn't end up being Al Horford. This is our free agency special. We're keeping an eye on Al Horford. All the signings across the league. We'll update you real quick. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant are headed to the Nets on max contracts. Roger is part of a bigger sign-and-trade headed to Charlotte. Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton. Huge, huge bargain, it feels like, for Lopez at $52 million over four years. Middleton got $35 million average annual bet value, so they didn't save a cent there. Garrett Temple is going to be joining the whole big three in Brooklyn. Rudy Gay back to the Spurs. Valanchunas back to the Grizzlies. J.J. Redick is headed down to New Orleans, as we said. Uh, Dwight Powell, Porzingis stick around in Dallas. Barnes and Trevor Reza headed to the Kings with Dwayne Dedman. Bulls land that young, which is a big get for that young team. And uh, Terrence Ross, Vucevic sticking around in Orlando. Derek Rose to Detroit. I'm here with Alex Kungu. This is Bobby Manning. We're on the Celtics blog stream for the foreseeable future. <laughs> and uh, we'll be streaming this all onto the Celtics blog podcast. Have a check stole the pod, which will be out tomorrow. You can get all of this on demand as we go with our live show. We'll take a little bit of an intermission closer to... 
645. Um, Justin Poulin's going to be joining us as our guest for this spot. And hopefully we'll have some more information about the Celtics as that time comes around. And there's just a lot happening. So stick with us. Bounce in. Bounce out. Do what you got to do. Get your dinner in. And we'll be here for you. So, Alex, anything pressing that you want to get out of the way first and foremost? Yeah, can we just, can we just one, just a round of applause for Terrence Ross for securing the bag. Four, four years, $54 million. People were talking about him as a, a guy that can maybe just get filled in on a, on a reasonable deal with the Lakers or something like that. And way to secure the bag, young fellow. You know what I love about way to Ross? Secure. That guy just goes out there, takes a ton of shots. He's chucking it, but he he racks up the points off of it. And I don't really care about the percentages and all that. But sometimes you just gotta have a guy who can go out there and pour in the points with, through force of sheer will. Mm-hmm. And to add on to that, the Magic will also be adding Alfred Aminu, which was reporting to a three-year, twenty-nine million dollar deal. So Magic obviously in desperate need of length get another lengthy person great deal too 29 million over three years is a steal in this market luckily portland yeah that's that's like mid-level money portland just keeps rotating these athletic slashing wings though aminu goes out the door and they somehow got uh, nasty a little who's gonna fill that mo harkless role it looks like they just rotate in guy after guy who's doing the same thing there on the wing oh my god why well, i can't Things are happening very fast. So Jeremy Lamb also getting some interest from the Pacers. They're trying to get him and Rubio. This is things things are things are moving very quick right now. And we're still waiting on KD's I don't I don't even know if anyone's gonna watch that anymore. After um after the after it was released of where he's going. I'm not sure anyone really has that much interest in seeing it, unless you're a Nets fan who just wants to, you know, hear him gush about why he chose such a great team and whatever, you know, marketing stuff he's going to say to endear himself to the fan base. Maybe he'll change his mind now that they ruined the surprise. Oh, my God. (laughs) That would be hilarious. That would be a little, you know, DeAndre Jordan did it before him. Now Jordan's going to Brooklyn, and he might get hoodwinked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a day, isn't it? So kind of quiet on the Celtics front. It looks like the Kemba Walker deal is official now that we heard about yesterday. We gave a lot on Walker and what that's going to mean for the Celtics going forward. But now that it's in stone, now that Terry Roger is officially out the door, any any new thoughts today, Kangu? Yeah. Um, a quick Celtics-related thing about Alfred Aminu. Um, this deal for the Magic, now that they have, they got Ross, they got, they brought back Vucevic, um, they have Gordon, they have guys in Isaac and Mobamba. Name to think about, Ken Birch. He's highly respected. Um, he's, he was, he was an older rookie that came in. He's about like 6'9", 6'10". Very big. If you, like, when you saw him, like, you know him. He's, he's, he's a very, really big built guy, but, uh, he's a restricted free agent now. I'm not really sure if the Magic have as much interest in matching any type of offers anymore. So as a team that needs a big, he could be a potential option. So I don't know I'd, a whole I'd, lot I'd about watch, him. I'd, I'd watch with Ken Birch. Um, 
if for people who are watching right now and are on Twitter, I just retweeted a 15 minute highlight video <laughs> of Ken Birch that, I, that, that I just watched. It's I didn't possible. Even know that was possible. I just I I just retweeted it from Cosmos. Um, he's a good he's a good draft guy. He's a highly respected young guy. So I mean, it could be it could be um, something that they look into in a in a in in a non Al Horford world. So, so let's pretend Horford just reversed course and has a great offer again. That's probably why he would look back. And you know, I'm not even gonna make any assumptions there because that is just crazy what's going on over there. I have no clue what's going on with this Horford situation. It looks like the Celtics are just making space, hoping that he'll change his mind, and there hasn't been a whole lot of communication there, which is weird because all you heard this morning was that maybe Horford's looking back that way from multiple people. We'll we'll see what happens there, but pretend he doesn't go back to Boston. He's got a suitor elsewhere. Celtics still have that wide-open gap at center. Now, if this sign-and-trade goes through, Congo, they're going to have the full mid-level, which is what, $9 million? Yeah, right about, which is much more than the 4 point Yeah, that's a game-changer. So yeah. this sign-and-trade's huge either way. And it looks like Deadman's off the board, which was a priority for a lot of people. And we'll see who the next one is. Enos Cantor's supposed to be on the phone with Boston right after 6 o'clock. We haven't heard anything new on that, but Portland was on the phone with him as well, so they could be bringing him back. Uh, we got some low key options here, but they're starting to come off the board quickly. You know, even Looney now with Golden State not going to be paying for Durant, that you'd think they would certainly pay him and get that back yep. in the fold. So they're, they're taking be, off one by one. It'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with uh, Demarcus Cousins. He seems like a guy that one of these free agent losers is going to try to save face with. Um, so he's a guy that can end up getting a lot of money, or maybe he does what he did. If he if he doesn't like the offers again, maybe he is a guy that's a potential mid level exception. It's still more than he made um, with Indiana. I mean, I'm sorry, with with Golden State. Uh, it'll it'll give him a chance to maybe go on like a smart team, like a good team, possibly, and uh, try to try to work with that. Um, and I'm sad to that. It's kind of like the names we talked over again. Um, the Ennis Cantors, the... Oh, wow. So it looks like the Milwaukee Bucks are working on a sign-and-trade with Malcolm Brogdon. And Philly is being identified as, as one of the biggest suitors for him, which could be a sign that they think they're about to lose somebody. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense because they got to fill in some shooting there. Milwaukee, all along, after bringing back Middleton for $35 million, they'll probably be supermaxing Giannis within the next few years. They had to make a move on somebody, it looked like, the way they run their finances out there. And uh, Brogdon was always going to be the guy who was pushed out the door with his feet issues and uh, with him being as low down the pecking order there as he was. But Philly would be tough for Boston. That guy kills the Celtics. Yeah, just really, he he's he's a point guard defender that they didn't really have last year. Um, he's a guy that's highly efficient, low usage. One of the guys that can play off Ben Simmons. Um, not as much as a guy that can run like pick and roll. Um, so that's why I kind of thought the Butler sign and trades Miami could be interesting for the Sixers because they can get a guy like Goran Dragic, 
who can be a pick and roll threat with Embiid. And then if you get a guy like Brogdon or something like that on top of that, you kind of have a more well-balanced team, uh, two-way, a bunch of two-way wings, kind of that versatility that that they lacked. So this could be this could end up being good for Philly if they play their cards right. We'll keep an eye on the Lakers. They're strangely quiet right now. We got we we got from one source that Kawhi could be moving there. Our old friend there. Who who was reporting that? The Fox guy. <laughs> that could that Kawhi. Oh my God. Bruce Broussard, yeah. He was talking about Kawhi. Yeah. We'll oh see. That so, would be a real punch to the gut today. Nothing has really thrown a big one at me so far. Horford I, getting our hopes up about Horford and then him reversing course, it looks like hurt. But if there's a big three of that caliber and out in Los Angeles, that's the one that's really going to hit me hard. Yeah. Um, that would definitely be a big hit for the NBA. <laughs> um, it, it, it'll, <laughs> I said it yesterday, would, it would lock in. one at a time. Give me one year off from the super teams. Yeah. Oh, this is this is interesting. Uh Danny Green and the Dallas Mavericks are quote unquote heating up and it looks like Green is gonna wait for wait on Kawhi. Uh, I don't like to the see, sign of that to see what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, if I'm a Toronto fan, you know, that's a little eh, like I, I it, it had me a little bit worried. Justin Poulin's about to join us in just under 20 minutes here. We're talking away in the meantime. We'll take our intermission at 7, so we'll go straight through Justin Poulin joining us here. And lots of news moving in the NBA. Ricky Rubio's heading to the Suns. Three years, $51 million. Of course, the Suns offseason is going the way it is. That's just a capper to what they've been doing so far. Oh, Lord. If I was a Suns fan at this point, Kungu, I'd be calling it quits. I'd be looking elsewhere. Uh, speaking of, like the Knicks too, man. Like I know, like it's the Knicks. They're they're kind of used to this, but like to trade Porzingis and go through a whole year where basically everybody's telling you like you're the favorites. You're gonna get Kyrie. You're gonna get Kevin Durant. To then watch your rivals who like you know from like I've been to New York a couple of times. There's not there's like it's a primarily Knicks city. Like the like the Nets are like a little brother, but for them to come in and just take like just take it over, just take over their city after going a whole year of hearing that 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 has to be tough. Boban um, of the Jazz. Oh, Boban to the Jazz. Ricky Rubio to the Phoenix Suns. He was stolen away from Indiana. Yeah, Indiana's striking out big time. Thad Young out the door. Victor Oladipo, we'll see how he recovers. But they were a team on the rise in the East, losing a little bit of momentum. Darren Collison stunningly retiring as well. Oh, oh, hold the phone. Um, Free agent Malcolm Brogdon has agreed to a deal with Indiana. Okay, so this might be why they they stopped with uh, Rubio. (laughs) I'm going to have to go delete what I just said when when I throw this in the editing booth. Indiana suddenly gains massive momentum. That is that is it's free agency, Bobby. Free agency. So my guess, my guess is that this this could end up being a being a sign and trade to for the Bucks. I mean, for the Pacers. Okay, so the Pacers are about to get Malcolm Brogdon, and they came to terms with Jeremy Lamb. So both of them had in Indiana, huh? Yep, that's what it looks like from now. 
And that is a perfect player for the Pacers. He's going to fit right in there with their staff, their defensively oriented style. And a great score first point guard. They haven't had a point guard there since George Hill, really. A point guard that makes me uh, fear them. Yeah. Oh, so Indiana's trading a first-round a first round pick and two future second-round picks to Milwaukee for Malcolm Brogdon. So essentially, they they they, they lost uh, great Brogdon move by the Bucks. for nothing. And that's eight in the... Pacers are what eighty five. Pacers are paying him roughly twenty one mil a year. So it looks like the Bucks weren't weren't interested in going over twenty. Yeah, you know between Malcolm Brogdon, between Brogdon at twenty five, Middleton's going to be getting thirty five annual value, and you're going to have Giannis at over forty in a year or two. Like that would have been every single year luxury tax. It's probably going in that direction anyway for them, but. You definitely lessen the hit if you can keep some of that salary away. That's a tough loss for the Bucks, though. He was a big part really, of what they were doing for years. It really is because, I mean, Zach Lowe's hit on this a couple of times, but, like, Brogdon was really, like, their number two against the, against the Raptors. Like, Bledsoe comes and goes into the playoffs, and he completely forgets how to shoot. And when you're just kind of, like, relying on Middleton and kind of, like, nothing else, really, like, Brogdon was the one guy who could handle the ball, play point, defend those points at a high level um and then he's good he's he can shoot he can shoot off the dribble he can shoot off catch and shoots kind of like he did everything and then um to kind of lose him yes yes you get picks but this is a team that's trying to win now and to just kind of like lose him just for like future assets definitely is like it's it's a tough blow they're in a big time limbo right here where things are going to start getting expensive for them and they're also trying to contend as the favor in the Eastern Conference. It gets really dicey for those small market teams when they have to start paying the big market prices for their up-and-coming contenders to push forward into the future. It's going to be a very, very interesting year for them as they head up toward that Giannis decision because they they have to win the East this year. They're clearing far favorites, and they just became a worse team today. They did. Whew. Wow, wow, wow. What do we so got? I don't Every think... time you hear Kangu say, wow, it's breaking news. Um, I misread the uh, Utah Jazz getting Bohan Bogdanovich. And, and, and in my head, I read Bobby. So, like, I just thought Boban, like, Bobby got four years, $73 million. I was about to be in shock completely. I was about to go Oh, is it Bogdanovich? Timothy Yeah. Uh, Bo- Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Indiana Pacers. He headed out to Utah. Oh, and the Pacers for, lose momentum again. That was a the guy they had to keep, I think, because they're not going to be in the market for other outsiders, I think. They, they had to make this sign-and-trade right here to just save face. Oh, that would have been devastating if they didn't get Brogdon and they lost him, too. Who's that yeah, guy going and, out the and, door? And based off the prices, um, Brogdon came in at a little bit higher than uh, Bogdanovich. So it's but if it's potential that maybe they just chose uh, Brogdon and just said, you know what, we value him higher, we're willing to pay because Brogdon came in at four eighty eighty five, and I think uh, Bogdan came in at four four years and seventy three mil. So that was just a case of like we value this player more than that more than the other one. Justin Poulin's joining us in just five minutes. Stay tuned for that. The news is pouring in. Pacers. Lose Bogdanovich, get Brogdon. Pretty neutral move for them because Bogdanovich was really important to what they were doing on the wing. 
Jazz quietly becoming a power for next year, Congo, if, as we look out west. It's going to be nasty out there again, and the Jazz are better than ever before. Like, the Clippers won 48 games last year and were the eighth seed. I have a real, I, have, I would not, it would not surprise me at all if the West had multiple teams in the 45 to 48 range again just miss on the playoffs. Because you, you, like, you're trying to look around. The Pelicans are getting good. They have Drew, JJ, adding um, Reddick Zion, a massive. Obviously, yep. You start looking at um, a team like the Timberwolves if they if they can maybe get uh, D'Angelo Russell. Obviously, a team like the Clippers, they could be. Uh, they could they can maybe get Kawhi. Lakers were not a playoff team, and now they're automatically going to be a playoff team. Um, knock on wood with James and Davis. There's going to be potential for a lot of these like good teams to just fall off. Like we talk about the regular season not being important, um, but the, it'll be very important in the in the Western Conference because, like the Lakers found out, just two weeks, you know, two weeks could be the difference between like you uh, making the playoffs or being like the third seed and then. Again, to get back in as they You know what's scaring me right now, Kungu? The Lakers still haven't signed anybody. So they're either just sitting... They have not. They're, they are really putting their eggs in acid because a lot of these, like, high-level role players that they thought, you know, they could they could keep at bay are going off the board fast. Middleton was the big one. And now all these guys are flying off behind him, and I just say, oh, is something in place out there? I really hope not. <laughs> I do they, not want to see that happen. Their hope. Oh, Thomas Bryant, another potential big, just got paid three years, $25 million. So Where's he that's headed? about mid-level. He's, he's going back to Washington. So that that's important um, in terms of like MLE targets because I think he sets the market for a guy like Kevon Looney too and why it's still important for the Celtics to at least um, get to that, get to that, um, what's it called? That mid-level money, they might need that in order to make a competitive bid at these guys. Is Utah the one seed in the West next year? I'm a, it, it's unclear. I want to see where Kawhi goes first. Because, I mean, if he goes with, like, you know, if, if he goes to, to like the Clippers, they could mount together a good team. Um, I don't, I could see I could see the Lakers not being the number one seed simply because you know not playing LeBron eighty two games Davis Davis rarely ever gets through a full season anyway, um, so I could see I could see them falling off but you know you never know with the Jazz the Jazz definitely have it together between right now what's their starting five Conley uh, Mitchell um, I don't know between Bohan are Bogdan and Joe, Joe Ingles. I don't know which one of them starts, or they both start. Then obviously you have I take Gobert off the bench. down low. Okay, yeah, and then you have Gobert off the bench. That's a and then Crowder if he if he's going to play the small ball four. No, no, no. I think Crowder went to Memphis, right? Yeah, he got him and Corver. He went to Memphis, so we'll see how they round out their starting five. But for sure, they're definitely they're they're definitely not be in the running. 
quiet on the Celtics front right now. Not a lot of news or talks, not any updates on that sign-and-trade. We'll try to relate things as much to the Celtics as we can, but very quiet in Celtics and Lakers land right now. Mysteriously so. Pacers making moves. Things... Looking scary for the 76ers right now. Jimmy Butler's down in Miami meeting with the Heat. And they did not close the deal on that Brogdon trade. Bucks get a little bit worse. So overall, with Durant being out this year, that's a tough team forming with the Nets if he comes back to form. But the East is looking pretty good for the Celtics right now besides reinforcements in Orlando. But I don't think Orlando's going to be swinging at Boston this year. Who knows though? It's still very unclear how good the Celtics team will be depending on who the center is going to be. So we're going to talk to Justin Poulin. All right, we are back. We had to connect across the East Coast to Brooklyn where Justin Poulin's had the Durant press conference. All right, Justin? <laughs> Ironically, I am headed to New York City and I'm, uh, I'm only about 30 miles out. But uh, no, not going to the, the press conference, unfortunately. Had I known it was going to go down like this, I could have coordinated it. <laughs> so how do you think Durant's feeling that uh, they, they reversed the special that he was going to be having tonight with breaking news from Woj at 4 o'clock that he was heading to Brooklyn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I think all of these guys want to kind of control it. And maybe if this was happening at midnight, they'd be able to control it. But the way that the, the timing works out this year, there's no way to keep this stuff a secret. We charge forward Bobby Manning, Justin Poulin's here. You know him from Celtic Stuff Live. Been a while since he's been on this podcast. And Kungu's keeping us updated as he scours Twitter one by one for every single deal. I want to say we have about 20 deals so far, 25. I don't know how much you've been keeping up with it, Poulin. But the sign-and-trade that the Celtics have coming together, not a lot of details on it out there so far, but we might as well address Terry Roger since we're certain he's out the door now to Charlotte. How do you feel about him looking back in retrospect? Plays out his rookie contract with the Celtics, gets booed coming in, gets kicked out the door going back, but right in the middle had a very, very nice run with this team. Better than I think anybody could have expected. Scary Terry was so much fun. And, uh, you know, I kind of go back to Super Bowl Sunday. Not a great one for New England fans because of the fact that they lost later that night, but Terry was, uh, and this I'm going back a year and a half ago, but Terry was a big piece of a 20-plus point comeback against the Trailblazers. And uh, I happened to be at the game. I think Horford, who's another player we're obviously going to be talking about, wound up hitting the game-winning shot. But Terry was such a big part of that. The Portland and, uh, game. Yes, the Portland game. And it was – that was so much energy, and that was really the beginning of this whole – like, what are we going to do without Kyrie? And then Terry just goes bananas down the stretch and into the postseason. Um, I, I think he got kind of a raw deal a little bit this season. I understand his frustration. You know, more to come on what was going on in that locker room. I'm sure things will leak out over the next several years, you know, similar to what we heard about Rondo after he left. You know, stories began to, to break about his relationship with Ray Allen. And so we'll probably get additional details as time passes, but uh, I think he's going to be great. Uh, he's getting a, a fantastic contract, way more, I think, than anybody really expected. And, you know, yesterday, late morning, I began to tweet out 
that I felt like there was a possibility once Charlotte expressed interest in Rozier that maybe there was a sign-in trade possibility here and then that could help the Celtics keep uh, Al Horford, which would obviously be incredible, you know, to just basically lose the guys that they thought that they, thought they were going to lose and then uh, replace Kyrie Irving with Kemba Walker. What a fantastic move oh. that would be. I knew I was dreaming a little bit. And uh, according to Bullpet, I may still be dreaming, but it certainly is an option that's available. And at the very least, you know, Terry kind of works with us a little bit and, and works out this situation. And, and gets himself some good, scenario, good money. Yeah, he, he really scored good big money. with that deal. And we could get a mid-level exception, full mid, mid-level exception out of it. So, you know, if we don't get Horford, it's not the end of the world on building the front court. You know, there's some options there. Uh, go, going from teasing that Horford could be back again, though, to all these secondary options that are emerging is tough. So the latest on Horford, we don't have a whole lot. It's that he, he was looking elsewhere, looked back at Boston apparently, but it looks like this was kind of just Boston's doing, clearing that space, trying to make a last-minute pitch to him. Because if Bullpets right and he was never looking back at the Celtics, then this had to be Boston the whole time. Because I don't see any change on that from his end. And Bullpet's been well connected. I think he was the guy that broke that Horford was going to be leaving the Celtics no matter what this summer. And we'll see. It looks like New Orleans is out. Well, I um, just seems so odd Bobby, to me, though. Real, Bobby, Marks yeah, real was on, Bobby Marks was on the jump. Just said that the uh, Celtics, Charlotte, Brooklyn potential three-team sign-and-trade deal is dead. And that the Nets don't have really any incentive to do it was was the reasoning that, that was my worry from the start yeah, but they can still do a direct deal with charlotte and i think they can still get the the full mid-level out of it and and maybe that's the reason horford doesn't fully come back but with bird rights and a sign and trade deal we should have been should have still been able to bring him back so my thing is if he took another look at boston and he was interested there had to be something about the terms of what boston was offering that still didn't quite, you know, get Horford excited. So maybe he's really got this sweetheart deal from somebody else. It's just more than what Boston's willing to pay. It's hard to put tabs on who it's going to be. I hope it's not Philly. After how many years, after so many years of him dominating Philly, it'd be tough to come in and just get punched in the mouth by Horford and Embiid together. Makes sense for Philly uh, because of that specifically. And then also they've got a young team, so they get a nice veteran. They are losing a nice veteran in J.J. Redick. That one's definitely done. Looks like they're going to lose Butler, too. I thought they were going to be big losers and uh, still will be if they don't get somebody like Horford to come in. But if they land Horford, I I don't know that I'd say they're big losers. And at least Horford can space the floor a little bit from the front court for him, but still – you know, they're losing some shooting there. Not that Butler was a crazy good outside shooter, but, but Reddick certainly was. Anything else rolling through on Twitter, Kungu? That was a big one right there. I don't think they can get a deal done now without Brooklyn playing ball because you had to send out Irving's money to take in Kemba's on the trade. Uh, you can certainly... Rozier's probably just going to be signing with Charlotte outright now. So, I mean, that, well, that mid might Tice. even be dead. What if they did a sign-in trade with Tice, too? So you put Tice's money and Rozier's money. Could you still work something out there? You that's could, what, yeah. I mean, you could throw Yabu in there. You could probably get close enough to where we're really getting deep into the cap uh, fold forest right now. 
But yeah, I think as you approach that Kemba contract closer and you get within a certain amount, they could still pull that off to keep the middle of that play. Not only that, but they could keep Morris in play right now too. Very slim chance right there, but as long as you keep your uh, restricted free agents or no, the uh, bird rights on these guys and bring in Kemba via trade, all these guys are possible to come back, whether that be Tice, Wanamaker, any of these guys. Morris is probably looking elsewhere, but we haven't heard a lot about him today. Well, if they're going to bring Morris back, then you have to think that they're going to address the front court issues, not only with the MLE, but maybe in a sign and trade. Like, what if they did go after somebody like Miles Turner? You know, could they could they do that with Brown and potentially? I mean, I don't know if they get a, a trade exception in this deal or not, or if that was only contingent with the Nets. But if they worked that, it seemed to me that if they do a direct deal with Charlotte, that they get a trade exception, and if they got one... Yeah, yeah, you know, and it looks like that's what they're going to do can now. Can you get a Miles Turner? Yeah, So Keith... can you get a Miles Turner with just Brown and the trade exception, or are you going to have to put in, like, a Memphis pick sweetener? You know, that's those are the questions that I'm asking myself. And then with the MLE, I guess you're looking at Canner or Favors. Yeah, and that gets scary. <laughs> That gets scary as you start to get down to that level of free agents as your everyday center going forward. They really left themselves out uh, on the fly when it came to a center here. It was great that they got Kemba, game changer for the franchise, three max guys in four years. You obviously go and get that done. But, man, to lose Horford and just have no backup plan there as they don't right now, it's it's going to be really scary to see the drop-off that's going to happen there depending on how things go. But you know what else would be scary, too? And I wanted Horford back, so don't misread my opinion when I say this. But if Horford really going to get, like, a four-year max deal, I mean, you that's a lot of money tied up into Kemba and Hayward and Horford, um, knowing that you have Brown and Tatum that you're going to have to sign in the coming years. And with Horford being 33, if he's going a full four years – you know, a $30 million contract at age 37 with Horford might be a little bit of a difficult pill to swallow later on down the line. Yeah, I I think you can reasonably say you're a championship contender, or at least an NBA Finals contender with Horford in the fold, though, as opposed to now, where they're probably going to be paying the tax next year, upgrading Brown to max money, uh, keeping Hayward on the books. They're definitely going to be playing the tax then, and you still don't know. It all depends on if Hayward bounces back. That's really what next year's team is going to be contingent on in so many different ways. Well, just like this past year was a window, and we all sort of thought this could be the year, and the way that it played out with Toronto and Golden State and the injuries in Golden State, it definitely was a window year. I think that's what makes it so frustrating, but next year, could be another window year kind of depends on how good the Lakers get looks like Toronto will get worse if Kawhi leaves and he's looking at two LA teams if he chooses the Lakers that window doesn't look quite as good but if he chooses the Clippers then the window is kind of there because the east while the east is is getting a lot stronger especially with the Kyrie and Durant pairing obviously Durant's not going to play next year so it's not that strong Toronto gets a little worse. Looks like Brogdon's out of town, you know, for Milwaukee. And if Philly didn't get or doesn't get Horford, you know, Boston does have a window next season depending on where Kawhi ends up. 
that Kawhi to the Lakers is going to be a tough pill to swallow today if that's where this is going. I'm very scared that the Lakers haven't made a move yet, so we'll see. I, I, I'm I'm terrified right now, Justin, that that's what's going to happen out there because I don't see any other way this goes. Options are just flying off the table for the Lakers right now. And all we did was make fun of them and say, no way this could happen, no way could they get Davis, no way could they – do this they don't have enough assets and they go out and get davis and then they might put a Kawhi on top of that because of this recent trade giving them the cap space uh this is definitely not something that anybody foresaw but lebron Kawhi, and davis like do you put that above the golden state teams of late i think you do i think you could argue those are the three best players in the nba right now pretty scary <laughs> so we'll root against that. We'll root for a big Christmas <laughs> present on July 4th for Doc Rivers. We'll, <laughs> we'll change course again and root for Doc Rivers. As it became easier to again last year, I think it's becoming very easy right now. Anything moving, Kangu? Any thoughts over there? Yeah, so it looks like um, Josh Jovenbua, who's a Clippers uh, reporter, is saying that the trade market for Danilo Gallinari is drying up quick, which is important because one of the Clippers' biggest pitches to Kawhi is that we can pair you up with another superstar. So now in the event that the Clippers are able to get a guy like Kawhi Leonard, that he'd be maybe the lone star going there. So maybe that does make an offer like the Lakers or the Raptors more appealing in that regard. I I hope he goes to the Clippers. You know, from the Raptors' perspective, you know, I hate to see the Raptors fall off the map after their championship, but you win a title, that can, you know, last you a decade or two as we see the Celtics right now. We're still living That's off what they were going for. <laughs> they can't be upset. They knew they couldn't get over the hump with DeRozan. They gambled and they won. You know, everything worked out for them. You're 100% right. You know, they can't be dis- – they'll be disappointed that they lost Kawhi for sure, but they can't be disappointed that they made the deal. That's two different things, and they exist in two different worlds. One is in the 2018-2019 uh, world, and the other one's in the 1920 world. So, you know, you've got to absolutely, you know, say you're going to still do that deal six ways till Sunday, and so they can't be upset about that. No doubt. I want to see a Clippers-Lakers rivalry. For the first time ever, there would be a great heated crosstown, or not even crosstown, cross-hallway rivalry in L.A. if Kawhi ends up landing there. That's the big one today. That's going to shift the landscape of the league. Kawhi really proved that he might be the best player in the NBA last year, the way he willed Toronto to a championship. So it's reasonable that while Durant's going to miss the next season, things are really heating up in Brooklyn. There's a lot of risks there. Kawhi is absolutely certainly going to make wherever he goes an NBA Finals contender or a championship contender right away. Oh, yeah, 100%. All right, so Celtics, big men. Who are you thinking, Justin? If it's not Horford, who you got your eyes on? Well, Miles Turner in a sign-in trade. I mean, not a sign-in trade, but in a trade would be really good, mostly because he's young. And, you know, if they're really not going to, you know, take a good, solid crack at it this year, and I'm not saying they won't be competitive because they will, but if they're not really going to take that crack at it, I'd like to see him add some more younger pieces to just continue kind of – that stage when when Kemba is aging and coming to the end of his contract, you know, he'll, he'll have a four-year deal, 
So you'll still have potentially, I guess, Tatum in his mid twenties, you know, you'd have smart kind of coming into those glory years for a guard. And then you'd have somebody like miles Turner. Those would be some nice pieces. Um, but I'm assuming you're going to have to give up Brown. And if you do have to give up Brown, um, is that enough? Or are you going to have to give more? So those are some of the, the question marks that I have there. Um, if you're going to go with the mid-level exception, you know, I know Looney is one that everybody's been looking at, but I think with the loss of KD, maybe they'll end up securing him yeah, to stay in Golden to. State. Have to. So now it's down to Canner and somebody like Derek Favors. Both of those guys can can rebound a decent amount, but they're only playing low 20s in terms of minutes. There's a reason for that, and that's where, you know, you kind of get scared a little bit, and then you start looking at, all right, well, maybe they bring back Tice for a little depth. You know, Robert Williams is a player who's got, you know, incredible athleticism, but he's still really young and can't wait to see what he becomes in this league. But there's definitely um, a lot of question marks even on, and I think it's really you're just building depth because you're so thin already. Even with Horford, you're thin. So uh, I think you got to bring in a few different options just in the event that there's any kind of an injury. It would be devastating. Would be devastating. Kangu, what do you think of the Miles Turner route? I think Indiana's poised to be giving up one of those bigs. I'd prefer Sabonis to some degree because I think there's still a whole lot of upside there. You know, defensively, you probably want Turner for the shot blocking, all that. But is that a guy who can play the end of the game for you? I think that's a big question. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't think that's realistic. I don't think the Indiana Pacers are motivated to move a guy like Miles Turner. Um if anything, they'd probably want to move a guy like Sabonis before they move someone like Turner. Like they paid Turner. That that that's their center of the future. That's a the guy they've been grooming. That's he right. He defensive is monster. He he is their defensive monster last year. Like um, even 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 in the playoff series last year against the Celtics, like the team already doesn't didn't go to the hoop often. But whenever t- Miles Turner Turner is in the game, like. There, there was no chance of that that team even driving. Like he has that type of anti gravity, so I don't see them as just a team that's just gonna like offer him up for a trade just because they have some bonus and some first round pick. So I, I do think we are gonna have to maybe readjust our expectations and um, maybe start really looking at something like Ennis Cantor keeps getting plugged. So it, whatever you feel about him, the Celtics obviously like him, right? So he's probably gonna be a name. Um, the Robin Lopez is like you brought up, um, Ken Birch, like you brought up earlier, which, you know, it's something, but you know, like that's not, there are guys where it's going to have to be like a center by committee type of deal is what the Celtics might would be you, Would at. you take a shot on Cousins, here. Justin? No, no. And, and here's why the, the chemistry issues in the locker room are just so well documented from last year and you're bringing in a high-character guy like Kemba, I, I think this team really needs to heal. And I'm not saying Cousins, you know, isn't didn't play good soldier in Golden State this year. I'm sure that he did. But I, I think it's too much of a risk. I yeah. think the culture that Brad Stevens is trying to develop is so crucial, and you just can't afford a setback next year. I mean, if you're going to take a step back, it can't be a wash in the culture department. You can go down to the fourth or the fifth seed and be a scrappy team that maybe makes it to the second round. And depending on how things shake out in the East, maybe even get to the Eastern conference finals again, but you don't have enough to get to the finals or win a championship. That's all fine. But to have 
you know, uh, uh, locker room that is so divided uh, is just not it, it's just not a gamble that and, they should take. And to have Kemba victory of an off season in itself, it's tough, tough, tough to see Horford go. But to get nobody after that would have just been one of the most demoralizing summers in Celtics history. And it just happened so clean, so smoothly. Kemba didn't even take another meeting. What do you think the draw was as everything's going wrong in Boston for him to just come here and pick up the pieces that were left? Well, I mean, I think, number one, he, he felt a little slighted with the deal that was offered him in Charlotte. Number two, obviously, his days in UConn. Um, he knows the area, and he knows he'd be welcomed. Number three, I think, you know, it's a perfect scenario for him to come into Boston and lead them after Kyrie. Everything that he read it says total upside for him, and there's a ton of young talent, so not only does he get to still be sort of the man on offense, but he gets a supporting cast he's never had, um, even without Horford being in town. You know, it can really share the load, and I think he's got some promise that uh, just from looking at the construct of the team and knowing how the organization is run, and, you know, he saw what Brad Stevens did with Isaiah Thomas, so he probably figures that that's going to help him extend his career. You know, these smaller guards tend to age really fast when they hit their 30s. If there's any risk in signing Kemba Walker, that's the big one. But knowing what Brad Stevens got out of Thomas and, you know, that he loves to run pick and roll, and that's something that the Celtics love to do as well, especially the roll part, um, you know, I think he's a good fit for for strategy, but I think he can re reduce his load, and he's hoping to be able to stretch his career out a little bit and be more competitive than he's been, you know, with in Charlotte. So I think I think it's just the right situation, and I think he liked his days at UConn, and that helped a ton. That's Justin Poole and Celtics Stuff Live, regular on the Banners broadcast. Now it's Havlicek Stole the Pod. Good to have you back, Justin. Anything you want to throw, uh, talk to Justin about real quick before he goes, Kangu? We're about to take an intermission here because Woj hasn't tweeted in 20 minutes, so it's a good time for to go throw some food in my mouth. Something's yeah, qu so two quick notes. Ben, ben Ro Robich, Roback, um, just tweeted that he reached out to Horford's camp to ask about a return from Boston and his and the response he got was simply eye emojis. So whatever whatever, Ooh, whatever that means. Whatever it's that alive. Means. It's yeah. alive. So it here's is what I very, think. very or weird what's going on there. No indication why he just wanted to leave Boston from the start. All of a sudden, very credible sources today from multiple fronts. I mean, Celtics people connected on the insider saying there's some interest there coming back from you know a few people publicly and behind the scenes too. And now, just out of nowhere, he's not interested. Even though the Celtics are making waves, that trade dies. Like there is a lot of mixed messaging going out there. On I don't Hayford. know, Bull Pat. Bull Pat, you know that's a hard one to go against. I think what it what may be the case is that. Um, you know, Horford didn't have any interest. Then he found out they got Kemba and they were going to work out a way where they could actually pay him. So his interest resurfaces. But then, you know, whatever the terms of the deal are, aren't really palatable for Al. So he starts looking at other teams. So, you know, I it would not shock me if Al Horford threatened to go to the 76ers and Boston thought, you know what? 
he's not fooling. And maybe we've got to maybe we've got to up our offer a little bit to secure him. And so now things are back on the table. One thing you could say about Horford is he's not going to be somebody to make a quick decision. Um, you know, he's a very thoughtful, very mature guy. And so if if Boston's initial offer once this sort of repositioned itself to Horford wasn't good and they decided to change their stance. Uh, it's not out of the question for Al to take another look at it. So I love the squirrely eyes. The googly eyes are on. And uh, this is what I wanted to happen yesterday before anybody was talking about it. I just started reading the tea leaves and thinking this could be a possibility. And uh, looks like it might Tobias be. So Harris, Tobias Harris to the Sixers, Bobby or Max. Who so would have thought that See, Irving... that changes the Horford thing. That yeah. changes. That's huge what you just said. If Tobias Harris eats up that money, I don't even know that they have any left for Horford. The suitors are starting to, you know, Sacramento paid people today. Dallas paid people. New Orleans threw money at Reddick. The suitors are starting to dry up a little bit. So we'll see what happens out there. Although they've been saying all along there's this mystery suitor, as Kevin O'Connor said this morning, is it the Celtics? We'll stay tuned. That's Justin Poulin. We'll talk to him soon. Alex Kungu and I will be back after this intermission on the Celtics Blog Podcast, live on Twitter for free agency. Houston, Ramona, and Wolves information. Well, we weren't going to give him the max anyway. How stupid can you Oh, so let's start there, Alex. <laughs> As we get back into our free agency special on the Celtics Blog Podcast, Havlicek stole the pod. The next are making all the noise in the last half hour for all the wrong reasons. And how's this for a blockbuster for the New York fans, for Stephen A. Smith? Julius Randle is their free agent splash after all the photoshops of Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving in New York City. It's going to be Julius Randle, the star, the face of the New York Knicks. That is... That is very New York Nick-like, if we're being completely honest. Um, to be sold that hard on guys coming and everyone gives a lip service about Madison Square Garden. But when it comes down to it, like I know markets are important, <clears throat> but I just think there's a certain limit where it's like there's just so much lack of stability. There's not the tradition of winning and you're and you have a team that's right next to you that has the foundation um has this ability has shown that they could be a winner and they give all the perks of new york and so it has to be killing to just watch as you as the team kind of goes all in for this summer just to watch their neighbors and the team that was in new jersey for most of their franchise's history you come know- in and take take all their market appeal, and then take their stars. You knew it was bad when Durant tore the Achilles. Even the first time he got injured earlier in the playoffs, you said, "Uh uh-uh, about the Knicks, because it certainly looked like that the first time he injured it. Do you think that Achilles injury changed things for them? Because that's their excuse this afternoon, is that, oh, we didn't want Durant, he was hurt. Definitely convenient time to announce that. But do you think that changed things for the Knicks, either from Durant's end or their end, as they claim? Uh, you know, I don't... 
with the Knicks, you just never know. Like, it kind of, I think that they probably still want to, like, kind of contend and swing for those people and see that. But it's like, I don't know. Like, I just think they have to really, I think this is a summer where they have to be really reflective. They have to really look at themselves and say, like, you know what? Like, let's get out of get out of the glamour business. Let's not focus on free agents or doing anything like that. Like, let's just grow what's what's here, and then from there, let let other people see what we're building, and then make them want to join us. Because even even the Lakers did that for a bit. They had their young guys. They were just focused on you know building that and showing that. And granted, LeBron's probably going to go there anyway, no matter what. But you do have to at a at a certain point, like just here's the yeah. first table. Yeah, start with start with one one star because they would have had space for one star, but instead they trade Porzingis and completely tear down all the salary they had on the team and any chance they had of building something last year just to go after two stars based completely on them being New York. They had nothing from the very beginning to draw a free agent to the Knicks, and they just arrogantly thought that Durant, Irving were going to come there because it was the Knicks, and now they're left with Julius Randle, Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith Jr., and Kevin Knox. Alonzo Trier, too. you got to throw him in there. They could reasonably be in the running again for worst team in the NBA, depending on what they do going forward, when they had such high ambitions going into the summer. Oh, and then at the end of it, they say, we didn't want Durant. Well, that's not how you were planning a year and a half ago with the Porzingis trade. Yeah, and I mean, it's just obviously just a very huge swing and, swing and miss for them. Um, the only thing they really have going for them is obviously they have R.J. Barrett. Um, they had a guy like Mitchell Robinson who was, in, who was that's impressive. That's right, yeah. Um, their coach, you know, they have their coach there um, who's who obviously had, you know, he showed that he could be a good coach and kind of like bring the best out of that young core. So I, you have to, I guess you ride out with that a little bit and then see if maybe after like next season, like you can kind of be in the running again. Who is the cap space left for Horford? We left on that eyeballs from Ben Rohrbach. His tweet, not too much has changed since then. Yeah, Minnesota's trying to move some money to get into the race for D'Angelo Russell. He is definitely still floating out there as an option for a lot of different teams. We await Kawhi Leonard's decision, which may not even be today. Uh, Jimmy Butler, it's been a very quiet day on his front. And Clay Thompson still hasn't signed with Golden State, which is kind of weird. He's expected to sign a max contract to stay with the Warriors, which is really going to leave Golden State with just Steph Curry next year, and Draymond Green for that matter. They can bring Kevon Looney back, but they they have that Durant space cleared up. I, I don't think they'll have any cap space with Curry and Thompson and Green on the books, but definitely not as overloaded with salary as they could have been. They probably feel pretty good today, knowing that they had to throw the bank at Durant just because. And he made the decision for them that they were going to go in a new direction now, which I think they feel pretty good about today. Yeah, and I mean another thing that they're that like the Celtics, they are, they're probably going to try to engage the Brooklyn Nets on a sign and trade, hopefully oh, to open better. up a trade and player exception um, for about like it could be a little north of thirty million right about. So though it's kind of, it long term big picture, you obviously wanted Kevin Durant 
but at least now this kind of gives them some clarity on uh, trying to create like a competitive team now and kind of build around the Steph, um, the Curry, and Draymond because, you know, like they really suffered last year. They didn't have a lot of depth. And now instead of kind of saving that spot for KD and kind of punting this year, um, they're going to be able to potentially bring in another guy, another big name, or potentially get like a bunch of other small names together to then field a more competitive roster. I don't know how much flexibility they have, but it's going to be all on Curry, isn't it? Green was sensational in this setting last year, but everything changes when you take Clay out of the equation for them. It's just devastating that he suffered the injury he did there because... If everything goes the same and he's not injured, we're probably still talking about them as a finals team, aren't we? Now, five seed, four seed, max. It's crazy to think that that's where we are with the Warriors in a matter of a month because of what happened in those finals. Yeah, and um, it's just it's just you could see how quick things fall in the NBA and why it's not. You know, like why you should never just kind of punt on a year and just assume a team is going to always, you know, be a dynasty or the team to beat it for perpetuity. Like things change and when they change, they change very quickly. So, yeah, they're definitely in for a little bit of reset expectations down in the bay. D'Angelo Russell, more noise from Mark Stein. Him and Anthony Towns were huddling as recently as yesterday while the Wolves have been canvassing the league to make the trades they need to seal the former Nets All-Star. That's wildly interesting because you're going to have some big names moving out of that Minnesota roster. Chief among them is Andrew Wiggins. That's probably the piece they have to move to get this uh, D'Angelo deal done, I would imagine. Is anybody taking that Wiggins contract, $27 million increasing through 2023? The Wolves, the Wolves feel that somebody is. Um... It's unclear. It's it's very unclear if somebody actually will or not. Um, and the teams, who would be the teams? Like, I mean, maybe the Knicks. You know, like if they see a, a young wing, like it's gotta be them, it's, right? It's, it's worth the investment. Maybe they just missed out on a bunch of stars. Like you can probably package him as like you know, like something. Maybe. Um, yeah, like I, it's unclear who actually would take the punt, take the plunge for him. But like, I'm also, I also wouldn't be surprised if someone talked themselves into a 24 year old who was averaging, who has a career average of 19.4 points per game, to say like, hey, like maybe we can bring him in and maybe he takes a leap with us. You so. have to, you have to look at those teams at the bottom. New York is chief among them. I wouldn't be stunned, especially they can get up to. A, I think sixty million now that they've done the Randall deal. They still got to sign R.J. Barrett, so that's going to knock about seven million off. They could reasonably eat that Wiggins contract, and I don't think anybody makes more sense than them because they just have nothing going for them now. Got to try to take a crack at a former number one pick, I would imagine. Uh, Charlotte could do it too, even after the Rogier deal. I think uh, Clippers probably not. They have higher ambitions. Yeah, so I'd look at New York and Charlotte for Wiggins. It's it's definitely a possibility on both of those fronts, and that's very, very fortunate for Minnesota if they can get this done. 
Yeah, and I mean, another thing to look for if you're a team that's going to take on Wiggins is what else are you going to potentially get with that? Like, because if you maybe are able to get out of Minnesota like a Josh Okogi or like a first-round pick, it could make it worth it. So We move forward on this free agency show. Thanks to The 100 who are joining us on Celtics blog account right now. We're live on Twitter. This will be on demand all three hours of this, two and a half, whatever it's been at this point. Justin Poulin joined us earlier to talk about the Horford developments. And as recently as we took our dinner break here, still no indication whatsoever on who Horford's looking at in free agency who even has space to get him now that the Pelicans have made moves, the Mavericks brought back multiple players, the Kings spun out and spent massive money, and the uh, 76ers, for that matter, too, brought back Tobias Harris on a max contract. So they are in a tricky position, too, cap-wise, when it comes to Horford. I mean, he definitely is out of that $30 million a year range now. It's probably looking more like 20 at most for him right now the way the market has shrunk and I still wouldn't take Boston out of the equation at this point there's so many mixed messages certainly Justin said it best there Kangu you don't go against Steve Bopet and how certain he's been on this from the very beginning but the market has changed and the market was ultimately going to dictate where Horford could get out there yeah um and obviously, we're still waiting. The way it looks now, just my hunch on it, if we're taking Bullpet, like, we're not going to discredit. Like, he that, like we're going to take his word for that. So assuming that Celtics are completely out, um, you're either looking at the Lakers or the Clippers, one of those teams, either the Clippers to pair up or the Lakers in the event that they miss out on Kawhi. Like, he can maybe be the guy that, like, they can put in some space for um, I don't really the Sixers if they can if they renounce Jimmy Butler straight up or um, they could actually open space and a space to at least provide a competitive offer um, about like the 30% max which I don't think that's Whole Foods full max but it'd be really competitive so the Sixers and maybe so maybe he's just someone that's going to wait for dominoes to fall and then he probably figures like if I'm going to take a pay cut let me join like a team that you know could be a super team, and it makes sense. Like if, if, the, if Clippers, take a pay cut, the Clippers are who you look at yeah. there, right? Is they a weak yeah, why? Exactly. So we'll see. Um, Himmelsbach just put out a post and basically said that the earliest we can expect a Horford opinion is probably tomorrow, if that, because he's still talking <sighs> with teams. So so it looks like we got to stay on up. another twenty four hours here. In- <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, let's see. Is Keith keeping up with this uh, cap chart right here? Doesn't look like he's been updating the cap slot, so we really can't track this cap space real time. And uh, I'm just trying to imagine what this first year salary is going to look like for Tobias Harris in in uh, Philadelphia. He's going to probably start at right around 30, right? Is he a 32, 32 guy? He he did have bird rights in Philly, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's going to be a little above that. They're getting tight there. Their max amount of cap space is going to be. Let's see right here. <laughs> My friend, the Knicks fan, says Any big free agents next summer? <laughs> oh, my God. Marcus Sol. 
Not about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't... Philly could probably squeeze in Horford in that 20 range, but he's definitely not getting the upper 20s there. We'll keep an eye on Horford. Nothing's going to be moving fast on that front today. Are you surprised D'Angelo in Minnesota is the fit out there? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really surprised. Um, I just think that that kind of came down to just friends who want to play with each other. And obviously, if you're playing for the Timberwolves versus, say, a team like the Lakers, which is another team he's been linked to, Lakers, he's going to have a very set marginalized role. Um, and we've seen how that can frustrate um, volume scores like a Kyrie Irving. And on the flip side, you go to Minnesota, like you're, you're like the franchise along with Carl Anthony Towns. And it becomes you two, you and your best friend. Like, how far can you guys go? And you kind of did the rosters built around them instead of being just a piece. So I, I can kind of see the appeal from a personal level of why um, he might, he would prefer Minnesota. We'll keep an eye on Butler. I wonder if the Lakers could be a destination for Wiggins as a backup option. They certainly have the space to fit him in there. That would be something LeBron and Wiggins finally teaming up all these years later. I'm sure Lakers fans wouldn't be thrilled about that as a backup plan, but it's not the worst choice in the world. It's just LeBron gearing for a veteran roster right now, so that might not be the perfect fit. Uh, Mark Stein just tweeted, Last two teams consulted, furthermore, listed two different destinations for Al Horford as Mystery Team Tour 2019 rolls on. So we're we're still in a position where uh, no one really knows where Al Horford's other offer is supposedly coming from, which means, like, as we kind of hit on, that's either... Um, a wait-and-see approach of how one of the other biggest stars landed. Or, and I hope this is not the other one, their agent bluffed very hard marketing, and he's getting to a point now where um, he's trying to get teams to bid against each other, but then teams might have a set you know, number for them. So it's probably maybe we're reaching a stalemate there or something, so... But we'll see. Lots and lots of comments rolling through. <laughs> oh, someone's talking about my mic position. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Let's roll on and circle back to those nets as we continue to evaluate the big move of the day, and that's the Brooklyn Nets signing Durant. Obviously, it was a little BS. I think I can say BS on here, on Jeff's pod. <laughs> I I think we all see that Nick's comment about them being out of the running on Durant by their own accord to be a little bit BS. But from the Nets' oh, perspective, are they taking too big of a gamble here on a guy who's going to miss the first of maybe two seasons considering that player, player option to see if he can even approach that la- that other form because you know we were laughing at Jordan being the third piece out there but ultimately if it's if Durant is relegated to a shooter Jordan's getting up there himself he's not a young man anymore it's it's there's a lot riding on Kyrie in that Brooklyn scenario even no matter what way you look at it yeah and i mean they're they're not devoid of talent like they have Spencer Dinwiddie they have Karis LeVert 
Um, they have Jared Allen, Krukas, as we've seen, um, Joe Harris. I'm sorry if I said that already. Um, so they have kind of young guys that in theory should be able to kind of like build around him and help him kind of stay competitive. But the chances of that becoming like a championship team completely lie on how good Kevin Durant is. Kevin Durant is going to be the difference between that team being a really fun playoff team that gets, you know, some playoff revenue, becomes an Eastern Conference threat to this this is the team in the conference. They're competing for championships. It's 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 going to come down to him. So there's that, there's there is a big risk there because you know right off the bat your first year is a red shirt. Um, second year, we'll see. Um, we saw with Cousins like when he was healthy, he looked relatively okay. But you know there's going to be that lack of explosion. Um, we're going to see if Kevin Durant still has like Nobody's that separation ever ability. Done it. I still yeah, go back so, to that. Like, nobody's ever come back to being themselves from this injury, and everybody's looking at it like he's going to be. Maybe not the Knicks, as they got out ahead of it today, and they might end up looking good in retrospect there. It's just, everybody across the league still viewed him as a max free agent this summer, and there's no precedent for the kind of return he's about to make. I, I go back to that again and again. It's a monumental risk. I'd probably do the same thing in their shoes because when else are you going to get the opportunity to even acquire a Kevin Durant a few years after the Brooklyn trade? It just could blow up in their face really quick. And first year, you're leaving it to chance, Kyrie and the youth. I'm still interested that he's going there in a very similar situation to the one he landed in in Boston to work with a new cast of young players who are trying to figure it out and honestly felt like they did pretty well on their own last year. I mean, they're probably going to miss Russell a little bit there. Happy that they can compete for your championship now. But, you know, guys who definitely feel like they can compete in their own right with or without Irving. Yeah, and I mean, I think they'll they'll kind of run into that same thing where it's like, you know, they, they probably this summer, they see it going one way. It's like, oh, like, now we'll have Kyrie. But then, you know, as time goes on, you start realizing, like, we might be winning more slightly, but it's nowhere near the role that I want. And guys that were used to getting a chance to get the balls, take a couple of dribbles, maybe create some plays. Now they're just relegated to a specific role. Like now you're, you're a spot up guy. You're standing here, you're doing this, you're doing that. Your touches go down, your shots go low. It's harder to get into a rhythm. And it kind of just kind of becomes now like about Kyrie and to Kyrie's credit, he did do a little bit of a better job. Like in Boston, sharing the ball, being a little bit more willing to play off ball and things and things like that. But this also is not as talented as a core as the Celtics young core. So we'll see how willing that he is, especially if maybe they don't get off to the best of starts. And, you know, like we saw in Boston, there's always a chance that this can bust very quickly. I want to get some details because it does look like the Celtics executed that sign-and-trade with the Hornets for Terry Rozier. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of that, probably just for that extra room on the mid-level exception that they were looking for there. But as things still hang up in the air with Horford, very, very interested to see what goes on there in the end. If nothing comes out of the Al Kyrie on the sign-and-trade front, they just execute that double sign and trade with Charlotte. 
even though it doesn't benefit them. Maybe a good little will, a little goodwill for helping Roger. However, Charlotte's also committed, and so if Boston does work something out on another front, that part's sewed up. If they work something out with Al, and it becomes worth it to play Brooklyn and get the ransom involved, Charlotte's already in. If the mystery team for Al wants only a small asset to play along, Boston rolls in Charlotte and get the cap benefits and a trade player exception. So Ryan Bernadoni pointing out the important fact that the Celtics already have this in with Charlotte. That That's very done. And uh, as Keith Smith points out, cap space has dried up very quickly around the league. The only teams that have 20 plus million left, which is what Hor- Horford's looking for, of course, the Clippers, Knicks, Lakers, and Mavericks. Mm. So right off the bat, that's going to be three teams that Al Horford can go to. And maybe just two, because if you think about it, I don't think he's going to the Knicks, right? So we can kind of cross off the Knicks. Then You're the pretty Kawhi much looking at Mavericks and Clippers, really. Yep. Maybe he's, yep. everybody's pausing and waiting for Kawhi right now, and that's honestly what it feels like, because things have slowed down quite a bit the last hour and a half. Yeah, I, I think now we're getting to a point where it's kind of like... Um, Um, I think that now we're at the stage where some of these like big guys now, the the, the rest of the big guys are kind of taking their time now, and that's what everyone and that's what kind of the holdup is. Um, it is good now that I still see guys like you know, Ennis Cantor, Robin Lopez, um, Ken Burch. I'll just keep throwing his name out there just in case. Um, they're they're still on the market. There's still a lot of bigs on the market for now. So the alternative in the world where the Celtics don't have their full mid-level and they have to try to compete with their only rim exception, it's still possible to get um, another big. Oh, we all now. looked during the season and we were like, oh, we're kind of underrating that Horford player option a little bit. I don't think anyone even thought about it too much during the regular season. Now Al Horford might have the most interesting free agency of the summer, save for Kawhi Leonard. Who saw that coming? 